Hey everybody, welcome back to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. I'm here today with Chris Holland and Scott Bird. Chris, Scott, how's it going? Going good. Going good. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, so Scott, you have been on the podcast, um, I don't know how many times I should have asked you before. Two, yeah, three? Yeah, I don't know either. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and Chris, first timer. Yeah. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Um, you, you have not been on, but your your name, uh, you've been talked about just a few episodes ago, actually, with Kurt Cooper. Oh, um, yeah. Shout out, shout out to Chris. This mic that I'm using was given to me generously by Chris, uh, so thank you for that, and it's good to, to get you on the podcast. Um, how about, Chris, why don't you start? introducing yourself and then Scott you can remind our listeners as well where you're ministering yeah what's up I'm Chris Holland I'm born and raised in Alabama I've worked in a lot of churches through the years um, but on staff at a church for 10 years um, I was on staff in seven for seven years in Fairhope Alabama beautiful town um, that's where I've experienced a call into ministry also uh, into youth ministry particularly um and then I moved out to Tucson, Arizona, to work with one of uh, our beloved XRUF current pastors, John Stone. And it is a freaking roller coaster constantly um, of fun and excitement and fear. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, th- those who've listened, I've got to interject. Those who've listened to the podcast have heard John Stone. Um, again, he's been on almost every season. And. If they've listened to those episodes, they can only imagine what it's like working day in and day out with him. Yeah, he said he said yesterday, last time he was on your show, he just ranted for 45 minutes about weddings and re- wedding prep and something <laughs> like that. I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to get him to do a podcast with uh, Les Newsom and him because they just have really good chemistry whenever I'm hanging like sat in with them on a couple different things but um yeah so i'm in tucson and i i'm the director of youth ministries i have a a small staff a girls director and an intern that's year-round um and it's it has been a wild ride tucson arizona is not alabama Uh, when i became a christian my senior year of high school uh it was about a week before 9 11 happened and uh my life uh drastically changed from being an atheist to a radical Christian that was um, hard, hardcore about my faith and just about scripture. And, uh, and so that just, it's just, it's just been a really weird time. I'm 37 now. I'm married with four kids. Um, my wife is awesome and definitely more godly than I will ever be. Um, and uh, we just love living in Tucson. Coming from you know 2001 becoming a Christian to today, it has been just the strangest. I don't know. I got a strange life, um, but I love youth ministry, and it's definitely a place where I want to stay for the rest of my life. Um, I love what I'm doing. Love what I'm doing now. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I do have to ask this too. So um, John Stone was one of our main speakers this summer at uh, our summer conference, High School Florida too. And he said that in Tucson, Arizona, everything is trying to kill you. True. And, okay, is that is that accurate? I mean, he, he listed off just stuff that's out there. You got a cactus here coming get called a jumping saguaro. Like, 
This thing literally, if you are walking your dog or riding a bike, or you're just trying to take an elegant walk with with your love, like it will reach out and grab you. And it's there's some there's a springiness in its stems. So if you draw near it, the static will cling to you. And then the uh, there's something that happens in the stem of, of the actual plant that will cause it to just envelop on you. And it like you can look them up, a jump jumping cactus or whatever. They're pretty f- infamous. Um, it, it's pretty crazy. One of the elders when we moved here sent my wife this uh, like picture after picture that named all the different deadly things out here. And it just said, uh, this cactus definitely wants to kill you. This cactus will kill you and not tell you. This cactus, I mean, it's it's really that. And then it, it does get up to 116, 120 degrees. It, it gets really hot. It's dangerous. Whew. And then you, you throw in snakes, right, and other other things. But, man, cactus, I've not heard that. That's, First that's curse word my kids ever hear, heard me say was when I walked up on a rattlesnake. <laughs> Last year. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what did you say? No, I'm kidding. Don't don't say that. Um, I don't want to have to edit this out. I'm curious now. <laughs> I'll send y'all the video. Maybe. I got a video of it. So uh, one of the right, elders okay. said, if "You got a video." <laughs> one of the elders said, "Hey, do you see a rattlesnake? Just stop what you're doing, pick up a big rock, and throw it at it and kill it, because we don't need those things running around." I was like, "Yes, sir." So the first one I saw, I got my video camera over here. I picked up this huge rock. And chunked it, and it uncoiled and came at me. Oh, and uh, and I ran straight to the foot of the cross. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, but yeah, I mean, it was it was scary. It was really scary. You pushed your kid down and you ran. No, they're fifteen feet behind me. I, I screamed like a lady and and uh, said some things that merited. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it, it's crazy out here. It's really dangerous. Scorpions. It's crazy out here. Wow, man. Can't wait to come visit. Um, Scott, why don't you give us a little uh, info where you are and uh, what you're doing? Yes, yeah, so I'm in uh, I'm in Oxford, Mississippi. Um, as a Mississippi State fan, the uh, this is the den of Satan. No, <laughs> um, no I, I really do enjoy Oxford. Oxford is, uh, I will say objectively, Oxford is a better town than Starkville. Mississippi State, better their sports teams, um, except this year. Anyway, um, so I'm in Oxford. I've been here about seven years. I also work with a former RUF pastor, Les Newsom. He's our senior pastor here. And uh, he's been here about three years, I think. Um, and so uh, I've been here seven years. I've got a staff of three interns. I've got two uh, girls and then one guy that are all part-time uh, college students. And so uh, – I am married to Grace Ann. We have three kids, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and an eight-month-old. So I'm very tired. I'm sure you all understand. Uh, you all are probably laughing at me right now. John's got like eight kids. <laughs> um, are we all drinking coffee right now, by the way? Yeah. Do all of us? Yep. We've all got our coffee. So I teach a seventh-grade Bible class at Regents, too. I guess that's a little bit about my bio. I had a seventh-grader. When I walked in one morning, he said, how'd you get a black eye? And another student was like, he doesn't have a black eye. He just has bags under his eyes. <laughs> so, so that's where I am in life. Uh, man, um, so true. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I've been here uh, seven years, and uh, I guess that's it. 
Nothing's yeah. tried to kill me lately. <laughs> scorpions or cacti. Mm-hmm. The food kills you in Mississippi. It's called diabetes. That's true. Say <laughs> Very true. Um, so, uh, Chris and Scott were very gracious uh, to, to come on the podcast today. Um, what we I hope to have, I had something scheduled and we had to kind of move that around. And so, um, we're going to do a little bit of a shorter podcast, but talking about kind of the, the good and bad of youth ministry. Um, those who are listeners out there who are doing youth ministry know um, ministry is hard, ministry is challenging. And um, it can be very easy to talk about the negative, to, to complain, to talk about all the difficulties, and can be a struggle at times to be reminded why we're doing this and to be reminded that, look, yeah, there's a lot of brokenness, there's a lot of difficulty, but there's also a lot of joy too. Um, and so uh, I'd love for us to talk about both of those spectrums if we have time. Um, maybe let's just talk about some of the difficulty, some of the challenges first so we can end on a positive note and talk about the, the joys. Um, and we don't have to get too detailed in, in the negatives, but um, Chris, we can start with you of maybe just some of the negatives, some of the things that are challenging right now. And, you know, obviously list people by name if there's anybody who's being difficult. Um, <laughs> address. Marissa Stone. Um, I think it, <laughs> I'm good. She's a delight. Yeah, like the most joyful person ever. <laughs> Uh, like the best pastor's yeah. wife I've ever met. No offense anyway, but like, yeah, she's fantastic. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe it's just some of the things that are a challenge and difficulty. And again, don't have to get super detailed, but then uh, we'll swing the pendulum to the other end as well. But go for it, Chris. Yeah. The, the difficulties out here are Tucson is not the South. Um, so the, the cultural hurdle that has to be, um, discerned and then crossed um is is really difficult it 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 really is different here and uh i I think that that's that's a regular challenge Uh, i was meeting uh with our local uh, young life guy the other day he was on my podcast the other day and and we've just got to a really great friendship and uh something that I just keep coming back to that he keeps encouraging me to is like, Chris, there's just no replacement for contact work. You know, regardless of what culture you go into, spending time with kids is, is that thing. And I, I think I find myself digging deep into the science and the nuts and bolts of youth ministry a lot and trying to uh, create a rhythm or an algorithm for success in youth ministry and, um, and go, go, more to the academic side of how youth ministry ought to work and what mixture ought to work versus just spending simple time with kids. But uh, the further west I've gone and, you know, in the States, the the more kids are doing and the higher the value on academics and sports, um, especially here because it's a big basketball uh, state. I think we're number 11. U of A is number 11 in basketball right now. Um so if you're ever watching a U of A game and you see people dressed like food on the sidelines, that's me and some of my, my youth guys. But um, <laughs> like it, it's one of those things where they have a lot of time. They're not just playing sports for their school, but they're also playing sports for their clubs. Clubs being plural, more than one club. And so getting time with kids is really hard. Academics are a huge, huge deal. Majority of our youth go to our our, our school that we own. Um, 
and like it's really hard getting that contact work that time and so taking a very slow approach to ministry is really important um very much just being present and being conscious that hey as their youth leader (laughs) that you are not the most important person in their lives and even discerning for me the difficulty can be discerning well what is the most important thing in your life um so just the difficult things are, man, how do you get that contact work done? Um, and Sunday mornings in Sunday school, like it's, we go through an Old Testament section. We're in Hosea right now, which is gritty and, and ridiculously gospel, right? And then Wednesday nights are a typical, they call it midweek out here. And, um, and so that is a very different template than what I experienced in the South. And I've tried to move it around for two and a half years to figure out what the good you know, rhythm is, I just keep, I keep missing the target. I am having the hardest time and it's really, really difficult trying to figure out, okay, well, how do you do food? When do you do food? What food do you do? Because everything here has spice in it. The food is trying to kill you, John. Like, it's crazy. (laughs) But, um, so it, that's, that's really difficult is pinning down the rhythm and the culture of the kids and families is really, really difficult. Hmm. Well, and I'd love to hear Scott react to this too, because it seems, you know, similar kind of in, in our neck of the woods. And I mean, we just, I guess the airing of this podcast, the, the previous podcast, Ben Melcher is talking about Palo Alto, California, and just how insane the culture is in terms of busyness out there and just, um, you know, pulled in so many different directions. Um, so Scott, I mean, I would assume fairly similar with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really, um, Oxford is a, there's a lot of wealthy, successful people in Oxford. You know, there's a lot of people that work at the university, have PhDs. And so that kind of filters down into the high schools where um, success is really important. And, and what that looks like is a, you know, 32 on the ACT, you're involved in, you know, extracurricular activities and you're, you know, just doing everything to kind of build your resume. And so, uh, yeah, that's definitely something to push back on and try to try to reshape students' view of what success looks like and that the American dream is not what we're living for. We're living for the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, and, you know, obviously you want to honor him in, in those areas where you're, you know, academics and all that kind of stuff. But that's not the end goal is to, to have a good job and make a lot of money or to have people's respect or whatever. Um, but, yeah, people are so busy kind of with those resume building activities it's 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 pretty tough i mean and and, you know it's i don't want to blame them like they're doing all these things that uh they shouldn't be doing because it's like you know they're playing soccer in a play or whatever else and it's like that's not a bad thing but um Mm -hmm. it does make it tough to schedule you know one-on-ones and i had a student just last night telling me we should do another overnight game we we did a Fortnite tournament like years ago when Fortnite was big and they loved it. And they still talk about it. So they're like, oh, we need to do another overnight thing. I said, okay, y'all pick a date. And they couldn't pick one because it wouldn't work for anybody. <laughs> you know, like they just couldn't uh-huh. find one. And uh, so that's what I've started doing lately is when they, when students start telling me, you know, we should do this. We should do a camp out again. Like, all right, y'all pick a date and tell me and I'll do it. And then they can't ever pick a date because there's just not a good one. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, there's, yeah, there's definitely kind of the busyness and the, the challenge of getting time with students outside of those programs. 
Well, and Chris and Scott, I'd love for y'all to, I mean, just digging into this a little bit. I mean, I can think of <clears throat> my time with students and trying to schedule things and have events and want them to be at, you know, our weekly programs and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, getting angry uh, when people didn't show up and getting angry and uh, not handling it in the way that, that I should. Um, how, how do you guys deal with that disappointment of, okay, trying to schedule things, the frustration of, okay, you can never pick a date that's going to work for everybody. The frustration of, hey, I've put a lot of time into this Bible study, this program, whatever, and they're not showing up to that. Um, so yeah, Chris Scott, um, whoever wants to go first, uh, react to that a little bit. Yeah, I think I've, I've taken it less personal um, in the last few years. Uh, it used to be like, you know, they're disappointing me and mm-hmm. frustrating me. And yeah, but I think it's really helpful to remember how I was in high school or junior high. Like I didn't I mean, we had a prayer breakfast when I was in high school and I went once and I remember thinking I'm never doing that again because we had to get up so early. Yeah. And uh, I just remember what I was like. And I think that's really helpful to kind of mm-hmm. not, you know, not expect junior hires and high schoolers to act like adults. Um, yeah, I think that along with what you said at first, not take it personally. Hey, it's not ultimately about us, right? <laughs> we can easily make the ministry about us. And, you know, this is, you know, a reflection upon us or, you know, we need the numbers or, or whatever. Um, it's ultimately not about us. Um, so, no, that's, that's good. Chris? You know, uh, I think a really big piece of the puzzle, I, and I can totally, I feel you, Scott, like early on, it's so hard not taking, um, not feeling like a kid is taking shots at your call in ministry when they just refuse to show up to your, the things you work really mm-hmm. hard on, small groups, events, you know, Halo tournaments, whatever. Or the parent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. Yeah. And um, I think a really a reason why I haven't burned out because I mean it's it's really hard. If you come to Tucson, you're going to face a lot of rejection, and it's going to be hard. And kids are not going to accept you very quickly. The hospitality here is is different. They're hospitable. It's just very different than the South. So my expectations were way off. Um, but I think what really helped and and continues to help me not get burned out or get discouraged is having a pastor that says, "Hey." dude, this is going to be a hard, hard job. We're in this together. And if you do an event and he sells it, John tells our staff, like, look, you do an event and no one shows up, but you have it set up. You're doing the event. You did the legwork. You put everything out there as best you thought you could. That's okay. I don't care. You did something. You tried. And, and I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're here. And I hired you for a reason. Um, and just having a leader that plays a lot of confidence on his team has been a huge, huge help. Um, and I realize that that's not the case in a lot of churches. There are a lot of churches with pastors that are very insecure and um, they have issues with um, relinquishing, kind of delegating that control to the youth pastor that they've hired to take it over, and yet they speak way too much into it. Um, I don't. I have the. I guess I have the blessing right now that I don't have a pastor that's micromanaging any you know any of us, um, and he leaves us alone. But he trusts us, and he catches up and takes us to lunch once a week. And just he prays for us, and he's diligent, um, and that's a really huge blessing uh, to have that out here. When a kid doesn't show up to things, um, the relationships that that kids have with churches are nine times out of ten they're very transactional. So if a kid shows up to your event, 
it's because you're giving away free crap or you're you have a reputation of giving away tons and tons of stuff and in a sense and they take that as you know you're they're you're buying their you're buying their attendance i mean i've had kids come up and say hey if you give away um starbucks gift certificates i'll come back next week i mean and they'll just say that you know I, the first uh, couple of weeks that i was here a kid came up and brought his friend and said hey He's a first-time visitor, so he gets a $20 gift card, and I brought him, and I get a $10 gift card. Our church used to have that as a rule <laughs> that if you were a first-time visitor, you got a 10, 20 We gave you cash to, to be here. Like, it's that, And that's the culture. I mean, really, if you survey a lot of the, the churches that are the popular churches in our town, that's it's hmm. very much like that. Rarely are you going to find a church that's like, Hey, our doors are open, and we're pursuing our kids, and we want to minister to them to prepare them for to live for Christ after high school. And they're diligently, slowly just doing that in in the mundane. Um, and so that's a really, really hard. That's a really hard thing to not just jump in the flow of consumerism, but um, to really to exposit scripture, to meet with kids, to do counseling, to meet with parents. You know the the essentials of youth ministry. Well, again, we can, we can talk a lot about uh, negatives, and I don't want to just stay here. Like I said, I want to move to Joy's. But, Scott, anything else? Because I know you kind of reacted more to, to Chris's. Anything else you want to highlight of kind of struggles right now in ministry? Yeah, I, I would say this, and I think this is true for anybody in youth ministry that has a family, but just the kind of the schedule, the trips, um, you know, it, it is hard to, to leave my wife and three kids for a weekend or a week and just not feel guilt or, or even not do more overnight events and stuff because I, you know, with the youth group, because I don't want to leave my family. So there's guilt both ways. When I leave, mm-hmm. you know, my family, there's guilt. And when I don't do the, the, um, overnight events, there's some guilt there. Uh, and so that's just kind of a challenge to, Try to manage that and, you know, protect your time with your family and uh, be di- disciplined with that and not let the expectations or the perceived expectations uh, kind of control you. Amen to that, yeah, that dude. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a definite challenge. And something kind of along those lines, too, that, that really began to resonate with me was how much time I spent praying for, thinking about, and planning, you know, the discipleship of other students and not my own. <laughs> it's like, you know, even laying out kind of scope and sweet sequence of what I was going to teach students and, you know, praying with them, opening up the word. And then it's like, oh yeah, Hey, I need to be doing this with my own family too. And, um, so I think that kind of goes along with that of leaving on all these trips and, and going and making sure these students are being discipled, but then, um, feeling guilty. And I like how you said it, the guilt kind of goes both ways there. Um, Chris, why don't you react to that as well? And then what we'll, Move to some more joyful conversation. You know, the, uh, this is, I mean, I'm guilty. I, 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 like, I sacrificed my family. Like, I was telling a guy that I mentor uh, the other day, hey, uh, God does not expect you to build his house with the family tree. Uh, so don't do that. <laughs> you know, like, he just, he doesn't want you to sacrifice your family for the sake of his ministry. Um. But that's the pot calling the kettle black. That's, I 
for years I've sacrificed my family for my ministry. Um, this is the first summer that my wife has come back in August after summer's over and said, this was the best summer ever. Like you were here constantly and almost too much. And to where I was worried if you're going to lose your job, you were home, you were with the kids, you were doing these things. And I didn't really know how to receive that. I'd never experienced, I guess, success in that sense. Like I've never, but this was the first summer and I noticed a couple things that really, um, uh, I guess uh, were the catalyst for, for that was just having a real big commitment to say no and to realize I just don't have to be there for everything. Like at the end of the day, when a kid graduates high school, I don't necessarily want them to remember me. I want them maybe to remember the experiences of brushing shoulders with other Christians and hearing from other Christians. But I want to delegate a whole lot of that life work to other people. And I've just got to have a confidence in the sovereignty of God that um, he's going to provide from within his church leaders that it's probably more important for the local leader who's not paid to have an impact on the youth kids. I think like, Christian Smith's done quite a bit of work on that in some of his books and has said some of the most impactful people in the lives of our youth are people that are unpaid volunteers that just invest and sacrifice and the kids see that and spend time. So I think I really witnessed that this summer and went all in on that. I, di- I didn't have one one-on-one with a kid this summer at all. Um, all of my interns and volunteers did all of the one-on-ones. Then I spent all my time with my leaders my, my interns and volunteers. Um, and in one, on the one side, it, it paid off big with my family. On the other side, there's a big drop-off in August when those interns leave and the volunteers go back to work in, in a per se, or they go back to their lives with their busy lives with their kids. Um, and then, but then you slowly see that trend. So I'm really interested to see how that works out in the long run, but I think we just have to be confident and know N-O, to be able to say no to things, um, to be able to make your priorities, your family, your priority, and really say no. And Otherwise, it'll just eat your lunch. It's eaten my lunch for years. Tons of marriage counseling, tons of, like, seriously, like, we spent thousands of dollars on marriage counseling, and a lot of that's my problem, and being overcommitted to the yeah. church. I think that's a, a reason a lot of people get out of youth ministry, is the kind of the schedule and the trips and the stuff. It just takes a toll on the family. Um, uh-huh. I will say our church has been great. Uh, the last few years, we've kind of implemented a unofficial policy that every night I'm gone, I get a day off basically. So mm-hmm. we just had a weekend retreat and I was gone two nights. So the next two days I was home with my family. Um, that I would encourage anybody out there that doesn't have a policy like that. Talk to your pastor. That's a pretty common policy. I kind of checked around to some bigger churches and that was pretty common. I also heard from a lot of churches that they don't have any kind of policy. They just take maybe a day off after a week long trip and get back in the office. And that is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, know. I'm, I'm with you on that. And I think, uh, you know, you hear people make the comment, um, youth ministry is not an eight to five job. And I think the older you get, the more it has to become an eight to five job. And of course, ministry is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, ministry is going to call us to sacrifice at times and is going to call us kind of um, at all hours of the, the night. Um, but there are plenty of times that you can make it more of an eight to five job. And, and I think to be faithful in youth ministry, um, when you have your own family and you have your own children, you have to do that um, because you are going to 
you know, create a resentful family if you're not, if you're not careful. Um, look, I know we're getting close to time. So, um, I think we kind of had some positives in here as well. And look, let's carry this over to next week. I want to tell our listeners that, um, Chris and Scott are going to actually stick around and, um, we've got some exciting news for the podcast, um, for 2022. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that, but then kind of pick up here, maybe talk about some joys of, of youth ministry a little bit more, uh, in detail, but Chris, Scott, thank you guys so much for, for being a part of this. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We really do like youth ministry. Um, <laughs> stick around for the next episode. <laughs> come and buy without money. Oh, come. Without